Last week, we studied uh, in part this passage because we were challenged by our brother Paul Miguel how to apply Romans chapter 8, 28, and 29. That we know that in all things, God works together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. But many of us forget verse 29. That those whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image and likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. So when God saves you, He desires to work in your life, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling so that you become more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen. Not yet even uh, walking and He already agrees. You see? And we need patient endurance. That's what we need now according to the New Living Translation so that you will continue to do God's will so that after you have been doing God's will, then you will receive all that God has promised. Therefore, we need patient endurance. And while being enduring in obeying God, what will happen in due time? You will receive all that God has promised you. It's like riding a bike. How many of you know how to ride a bike? Good. What do you do when you stop pedaling? You will fall. You will lose momentum. It's kind of the same thing. So last week, I titled that message, Don't Give Up, Give It Up. Keep it up. Don't give up. Keep it up. What should you keep up? Keep on obeying God, no matter what. And God promises us in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that He who began a good work in you will what? Completed. Who's going to do the work in you? God. What should you and I be doing? Actively cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Actively cooperating with the Holy Spirit. He is doing a work in you. And He has guaranteed, He has promised that He will complete it. So, sometimes you will hear, uh, you know, uh, I'm still a work in progress. How many of you are still works in progress? All of us, right? The problem we have many times is when we are held to account, if our discipler, if our spouse, if our pastor, if our D group members notice something and bring it to our attention, oh, work in progress. Every time they try to hold us accountable, call our attention to something not Christ-like, Oh, work in progress, work in progress. So this verse become a crutch. Work in progress, work in progress. Hopefully, CCFLA does not use this verse as an excuse. I am a work in progress, but with patient endurance, I will continue to do the will of God so that at the proper time, I will receive all the promises that God has in store for me. And God is a God of grace, and I show this to you. The grace of God transforms. It begins with the Word of God and God's Spirit. And He uses people, and He uses circumstances, and He uses time. For what purpose? To transform you and me to Christ-likeness. God is committed to change you to become more and more like Christ, even than your own desire. To be more and more like Christ. 
So God will use people. Many times, what kind of people? Nice people? Many times, difficult people. What kind of circumstances? Pleasant circumstances? Difficult circumstances. Sometimes God will use time. Long or short? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering. That's the word for patience. God uses time. So we have to be mindful of this. That the output, the outcome, the byproduct of all of these combined is what? Christ-likeness. It's like a work of art. How did Michelangelo know that the Pieta or the David is in that piece of rock? He had a vision. And then what did he do? He chiseled out that vision. God has a vision for you. God has a plan for you. And even if you don't see it, when you look in the mirror, it's rough. I look like a rock. There's nothing there. God sees something in you. And he's chiseling. He's working it out so that in the end, you will be his masterpiece. You will look more and more like Christ. We're studying all of this from the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And we're, we're done with the creation, the fall, the flood, uh, the Tower of Babel. We studied the life of Abraham. We studied the life of Isaac. Now we're studying the life of Jacob. And we're going through this. Why? Because Genesis is the basic foundation of everything. This is the beginning. This is where it all started. So we're looking at Jacob. And this morning, I've entitled the message, Breakthrough or Break You? God is so committed to you that he wants you to be more and more like Christ, that you have a choice. Encounter a breakthrough or break you. Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all who are here this morning to give you worship, to give you praise, to bow down before you, and to listen to your word. Who am I, Lord God, to deliver your word apart from your Holy Spirit? So fill all of us, Lord, and humble us to the truth that you'd like us to learn and to apply in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Genesis 32. Jacob spends 20 years working for Laban. Jacob's name is supplanter, deceiver, grabber, manipulator. That's his name. But he encountered Laban, who was worse. With nothing, with just a cane, a walking stick, he leaves Esau. He leaves his father. He leaves his mother and journeys to Laban. And Laban says, Will I feed you for nothing? But in the process, Jacob sees two ladies. Rachel and Leah. 
And who did he love? Rachel. So he worked seven years. And then there was a marriage ceremony. And then in the morning, who did he discover? Uh-oh. Why? I work for the younger daughter. What did Laban say? Oh, it's not our custom. Just like, in a sense, it's not your custom that you are the younger and you basically stole the birthright, the inheritance of your older brother Esau. So, I'll work another seven years. Why? Because the one I really love is whom? Rachel. And the Bible tells us that those seven years were just like minutes. Huh? When you were courting your wife. When you were courting your husband. Ah, no, sorry. <laughs> they were like minutes. They were like minutes. Why? Because who was the one that he, he really loved? Rachel. Who did he get? After seven years, seven more years, totaling 14, what happened? He got the prize. He got the one whom he loved. And I showed you all those children that they had. The names that they gave to their children were basically the gospel of Jesus Christ hidden in their names. Right? And then he thought it was the right time. Remember? God's word and God's spirit. People, circumstances, and then time will equal what? Christ-likeness. 14 years already working for you. It's time. Then, no. Six more years before I let you go. He wanted to leave. Laban said, name your wages. Ah. Now is my chance. Every striped, spotted, speckled lamb or goat is mine. Those that are unblemished, white, perfect, they're yours. Good deal, right? But God was working. So after 20 years, he decided to run away. But after seven days, Laban caught up with him. Why did you leave without telling me? I couldn't even say goodbye to my own kids and my grandkids. Why did you do this? I was afraid that you would do harm to me. But Jacob did not know that God was busy working even in the life of Laban. And Laban said, God spoke to me. And he told me not to speak of you either good or bad. So who protected Jacob? God. Now we pick it up in verse 32. Where is he going? Why did he leave Laban? Verse 1. Now as Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. Jacob said when he saw them, this is God's camp. So he named that place Mahanaim. I'm not Jewish. Manahaim. Where was he going? From his hometown, he went to Laban. He worked there for 20 years. He left, and where is he going? Jacob went on his way. And what, what happened? He met the angels of the Lord. 
So he called that place, this is God's camp. And he called that place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. Where was he going? Where was he going? Huh? He was going back to where? He was going back to his brother Esau. What did Esau promise to do when he found out that Jacob stole, swindled, deceived, manipulated his birthright? I'm going to kill you. You stole my birthright. The days of mourning for our father, when they are done, I'm going to kill you. Why would you go back to look for someone who wants to kill you? Right? It's not common sense. He also commanded them saying, Thus you shall say to my Lord Esau. Oh, now. Esau is now my Lord. Thus says your servant Jacob. Oh, now Jacob is your servant. I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Do you notice the tone, that change in the tone of Jacob? Before, he ran away. Right? Now what is he doing? He's coming back. But you still see signs of his being a manipulator. He sent messengers before him. You first. If you die, I know I'm still in trouble. Right? And then what are you going to do? You're going to tell him. Okay? My Lord Jacob is telling you, Lord Esau, okay, that he stayed there for many years and he's coming back. And guess what? He has a bribe for you. Oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female servants. Why? So that Esau will find favor with Jacob. Peace offering. Right? Now why? Why would you go to someone who wants to kill you? Why would you go back to someone whom you know you have hurt, you have deceived, whom you have stolen from? Romans 12 verse 18. If it is possible, as it depends on you, what? Be at peace with all men. For so long as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. God wants us to be reconciled. To be reconciled to one another and to be reconciled even to our friends. To our enemies. Even to those who may even really want to plot, to desire to kill us. So Jacob went back. And this is also part and parcel 
of his prayer to God, his vow when he left. He said in Genesis 28, 20 to 21, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. So what was his vow? Okay, I'm going to go to Laban, my uncle. If God will support me over there and bless me and protect me, give me food, shelter, clothing, I will go back. And if all of that happens, God will be my God. You see, up to this time, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, your God. You remember? Your God allowed this. Not my God, your God. Have you made deals with God? Oh God, bargain. If you do this, you do this, you do this, I will be like this, like this, like this. Come on. You do that, don't you? God, I only need six numbers. <laughs> After these numbers, I won't ask anything from you anymore. <laughs> Speaking about that, did you see the article? Two brothers both won the lotto. They have uh, two big checks. The brother here on the light, 292 million. The one on the left, seven dollars. <laughs> but they both won. You and I bargain with God many times. Oh God, will you give me this? Will you give me that? If this happens, I will do this. Jacob, the same thing. Conditional vow. God, if you do this, this is, what's going to, this is what I'm going to do. Let's not do that when it comes to our relationship and fellowship with God, okay? Let's read the word, let's obey it, and God will give us the grace and the Holy Spirit to follow. Let's, do that. let's not put conditions on God. So Jacob decides to go back. The messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and furthermore, he's coming out to meet you. And 400 men are with him. <laughs> so what, what did the messengers find out? They were going to Esau and they found out that Esau is also going to them. With oxen? With cows? With male and female servants? With what? With an army. Of 400 fighting men. This is the same Esau who swore he will kill you. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Will you be greatly afraid and distressed? Now what happens to your faith when fear enters the picture? If your faith is not strong, if you're not walking by faith, you will run away. Just like Jacob ran away many times. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed and he divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. Now we read from previous chapters that he was greatly, greatly, greatly blessed. As a matter of fact, the word says exceedingly 
blessed. Right? Now, I looked at the word companies. We're, we're used to companies right? in, the, in the corporate sense. But there's no specific number. They were just like droves. So, long story short, he had really a lot. He was really so blessed that he could divide everything that he had into how many? Into two companies. Why was he going to divide the two companies? For he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the company which is left will escape. Ah, wise. Very wise. He is still relying on whom? His own manipulations, his own machinations, his own ideas. Okay, split the company. If that company gets slaughtered, at least I have 50%. Jacob said, Oh my, oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, oh Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your relatives and I will prosper you. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan. And now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. For you said, I will surely prosper you. And make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. What did Jacob do? Huh? He prayed. Perhaps for the very first time, he prayed a most honest prayer. What did he pray? O God, Father, God of my father Abraham, the God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you who said to me, return to your country, to your relatives, and I will prosper you. How does he know what God told him? How do you know what God is telling you? Starts with God's word. If you and I do not spend time Knowing, reading, studying, meditating on God's word. What do you and I have to rely on? Nothing. My opinion? My opinion does not count. It is only God's opinion and God's word that counts. How can I claim the promises of God for me if I don't know the promises of God? Am I making sense? You have to spend time in the word of God. Oh, but we have D group. Yeah, that's D group once a week. He decided not to go. Now what? No more. And then look, he realizes who he is. I am unworthy. I'm not deserving of all the loving kindness, of all the faithfulness which you have shown. He's realizing that all of this is because of God. What did he have when he crossed over? He said, I only have my staff. Now, this is not the staff from the corporate world. huh? This is a staff, a walking stick. Like what I read. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You don't have a staff. Hey, can you get me coffee? That's not the staff. The staff is just a walking stick. He had nothing. 
He had nothing. He only had this walking stick. And now, he has become two companies, two droves, too many to count. Deliver me, he said. Now, who is going to deliver him? Now, who is going to plan out his salvation? Now, he's entreating. He's begging God. Deliver me. Wow. I pray. I ask. Deliver me, I pray, from my brother Esau. For what? I fear him that he will come and attack and kill the mothers with their children. And then, because he knows the word of God, he reminds God, you said, you said, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as the sign of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. Isn't that the same promise God gave to his grandfather Abraham? Isn't this the same promise that God gave to his father Isaac? Isn't this the same promise that God gave to him? You know, you can pray that. If you know the word of God, you can pray it back to God. God, did you not say in your word that you will bless me? That you will do this? That you will do that? But if you and I don't know the word of God, how can we rely on the word of God? How can we in a sense, hold God to his word. God, this is what you said. And I'm trusting your word. And I'm trusting you to keep your word. Because what I'm clinging to is not the counsel of men, but it's the counsel of the word of God. So for the first time, perhaps in his entire life, he really prayed the most honest prayer. Have you ever prayed that kind of prayer? A prayer that you're, you're practically naked before God. That this is not just, bless us, O Lord, for this day gives you about to receive from the bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. That you really thank God for the food and the water. Maybe there's even dessert. Really from your heart, God, thank you for my job that allows me to have this food. And then the moment you say amen, Han, ano to? <laughs> if Pastor Danny were here, pansit na naman. <laughs> really. A heartfelt prayer to God. God, I am unworthy. I had nothing. But you said, you said you will bless me. You said you will prosper me. And what did he do? So he spent the night there. Then he selected from what he had with him a present for his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. Who told him to prepare this? Did God tell him, this is what you're going to do? Set aside from your two companies the following and give them to your brother Esau. Did God tell him to do this? So even if his heartfelt prayer was there and you, th you think that, okay, he's probably broken through. Amen. Okay, this is what I'm going to do, huh? Who is still manipulating or fixing the situation? 
is still Him. God, I am unworthy, Lord! Oh, itong gagawin natin, ha? You pray like that too? He reminds me of me. I think Jacob reminds all of us of ourselves. We get down on our knees. God! God! In Jesus' name. It's like sending on the fax. In Jesus' name. Amen. Send. And then right after you send the amen, oh, Netliga, this is what we're going to do, huh? Mm, 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 mm. Like Jacob. The most heartfelt prayer. And then right after that, okay, this, 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 and it. If you're, if you're good in math, 550 animals he was going to use to appease his brother Jacob. God didn't tell him to do this. He still did it on his own. Despite that most heartfelt prayer. And then, he delivered them into the hands of his servant. Every drove by itself and said to his servants, Pass on before me and put a space between the droves. Distancia, amigo. He commanded the one in front saying, When my brother Esau meets you and asks you saying, To whom do you belong and where are you going? And to whom these animals in front of you belong? Then you shall say, These belong to your servant Jacob. It is a present sent to my lord Esau. And behold, he is also behind us. Then he commanded also the second and the third and all those who followed the droves saying, After this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And when you shall say, Behold, your servant Jacob also is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. Then afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. He's still conniving. Now his plan is changing. Okay, we're going to divide. Camels first or sheep first. Oh, wait. Space in between, huh? Space in between. Every time my brother Esau, where did this come from? From your servant, Jacob. And then space, and then another, and then space, and then another. And what is the second company going to, to say to Esau? There's even a script. There's a script. Oh, these are from your servant, Jacob. Why did he do this? Why did he map this out, plan this out? Afterward, I will see his face. Perhaps, maybe, just in case, he will accept me. So you have all of these droves in front. And who is all the way to the back? Jacob. Very good commander. All the way to the back. So he thinks that by doing this, his brother Esau will be appeased. Now he rose that same night and took his two wives and his two maids, his 11 children, remember I shared with you last week, and crossed the ford of the Jabok. He took them and sent them across the stream and he sent across whatever he had. So he divided up all of his companies and then he brought his two wives, his 11 children, and the remainder over to the other side, and who was left. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until 
daybreak. Those of you who like WWE, WWF, right? When you wrestle, how many winners? Just one. One winner, one loser, right? He was alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Bible scholars say that this man, this angel, was pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. But he wrestled with this quote-unquote man. And how long did the wrestling match take? The whole night. He wrestled with this man. Jacob wrestled with this man the whole night. He strove. He contended with this man. When he saw the man, when the man saw that he had not prevailed against him, meaning Jacob, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Jacob was clinging to this man. He was striving with this man. He was wrestling with this man. And this man, quote-unquote, could not prevail. So what did this man do? This man touched the socket of the hip of Jacob. And what happened? It was dislocated. Right? Then he said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, meaning Jacob, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What was the kind of wrestling match? Was it grappling? Elbow shots? Front kicks? Shin kicks? What kind of wrestling was it? The book of Isaiah, the book of Hosea shows us. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel. Who is that? Jacob. And, his, in, and in his maturity, he contended with? So who is that quote-unquote man? God. Yes, he wrestled with him and the angel prevailed. What was the type of wrestling match? I highlighted for you in yellow. He was weeping and he sought his favor. So it's not like a wrestling match that is a fight. It was Jacob was just really, you know, clinging on to God for dear life. I'm not going to let you go until and unless you bless me. I've realized all these 20 years. Remember that the formula? Time. 20 years I've wrestled. With my uncle Laban, I'm going to go back to my brother Esau who wants to kill me. God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. It was not that type of wrestling that they grapple each other, one trying to win over the other. It was Jacob clinging on to God. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And how long was this struggle? Overnight. He persevered. Patient endurance until he gets the reward. God, 
I lift this up to you, Lord God. God, it's been 30 minutes. Nothing is happening. God! And then, release. Jacob, I will not let you go until you bless me. Are you clinging to on to God that way? God, you said you will fix my marriage. God, you said you will fix my children. God, you said you will fix my parents. God, you said you will fix my finances. I'm not going to let you go, Lord, until you fulfill your promise to me. Do you wrestle with God in prayer? Or are your prayers telegram? See you later. Letter C, letter U, LTR. No, L8R. It's another one. This guy, Jacob, supplanter, he ran away. Now what happened? The man touched his socket. And his hip joint was dislocated. Those of you in the medical field, once your hip joint is located, once that muscle is affected, doctors, you can validate this. It's never going to be the same. If you are a wrestler, your career is over. Now remember, Jacob, what? Always ran away. He encountered this man with whom he wrestled overnight. And that man would not prevail against him. So that man, God in Hosea, touched his socket and it was dislocated. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. What does the word Jacob mean? Supplanter. Deceiver. What does the name Israel mean? Prince. Many times in the Bible you will read that when a person has an encounter, a personal encounter with God, God changes his name. Saul, once the persecutor of the church, is no longer called Saul. He is now called Paul. Simon, who was like shifting sand, God, Jesus, changed his name to Cephas, Peter, The rock. Has God changed you? What is your name? God says. Jacob, supplanter, the one who runs away, the manipulator. Nah, from now on, your name is Israel because you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, And said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed them there. Who blessed him? 
God. God bless him. You remember the triangle of blessing? It starts with God, his word. God, faith in God and his word, obedience. God is basically asking, why do you need to know my name? I'm blessing you. Just like when they were asking about, when Peter was asking about Jesus. How about this other guy? Uh, how about him? What are we going to do about him? And Jesus answered, it's not your problem. What you should focus on is yourself. Don't focus on the other people. Don't focus on my plan for that person. Focus on my plan for you. From Jacob to Israel. Bible tells us in Psalm 46, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Are you striving with God? Are you contending with God like the WWE? Or are you clinging on to God and promising, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. You said in your word, you're going to bless me. So I'm not going to let you go until that happens. God changed his name. And what did Jacob do in response? So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the Bible tells us that no one can see God and live. So this is just an expression. He didn't really see God face to face. No one can stand the glory of God and survive. Not even his servant Moses who asked, can I see your glory? You can't see my glory. So what I'm going to do, you go in the cleft of the rock. My glory will pass before you. And then from behind, when I pass, then you can have a glimpse. He had contended with God. He has seen God face to face and live. You see, 20 years. God promised his grandfather, his father, that they would be blessed. And God uses people. God used Laban. God used his circumstance of getting a taste of his own medicine. God used the 20 years of time to teach Jacob that he should follow God no matter what. And in verse 32, now the sun rose up upon him just as he crossed over Penwell. And he was what? He was limping. Now how can you run if you have a limp? Jacob, now named Israel, kept on running away. Now that he has had a personal encounter with God, he has something to remember that encounter by. He has a limp. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And three times, Paul writes, three times I have asked you to remove this thorn in the flesh. And what did God say? My grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, I am strong. In your weakness, I am strong. God will use all of this so that you 
can appreciate, receive, and appropriate His grace. The triangle of God's blessing begins with God, faith in God and His Word, and obedience. It is not enough to know about God. You have to know God. It is not enough just to believe in God. You have to believe God. It is not enough just to be in intellectual agreement to a set of doctrines about God. You have to have an encounter with God. See, many of us go to God with a checklist. I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell. I need forgiveness. Jesus died for my sins. I prayed to receive Christ. I'm being regenerated. I'm going to heaven. So sometimes you come in, you have a checklist. I'm a sinner. Yes, I agree with that. I'm going to hell because of my sin. Yes, I agree with that too. Jesus died for my sins. Yes. I prayed to receive Jesus Christ. Yes. And then we jump. I'm going to heaven. What happens with this? What happens with being regenerated? Look, look how important it is. He saved us not on the basis of deeds we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So, regeneration is very important. Because that, my friends, my brothers and sisters, is proof that you really have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. That word regenerations means you are being changed. And according to Corinthians, you're being changed from what? You're being changed from glory to glory. So you may have realized that you're a sinner. You may have realized you're going to hell. You may realize that you have forgiveness. You, you, through Christ, you need forgiveness. You may realize that Jesus died for your sins. You may even have prayed the prayer. And you may be thinking that you're going to heaven. But when you look at your life, and you see that there is no regeneration. My friend, can I ask you to consider if the faith that you claim you have is a genuine faith? Because Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of a genuine faith. Bible doesn't tell me to examine you. The Bible tells me I must look in the mirror and see, is my faith genuine? I may have just gone through a checklist and do not see the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Many, many years, Jacob was like that. But then, 
he had a personal encounter with God. And God changed his name. As proof that God was going to begin the process. God's word, people, circumstances, and time. And perhaps there are some of you who really are being regenerated and you really have a genuine faith. Oh, pastor, I'm not a, I, I, I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not this. I'm not that. And all of these sins, ungodliness, anxiety, frustration, discontent, unthankfulness, pride, selfishness, lack of self-control, impatience, irritability, anger, judgmentalism, envy, jealousy, sins of the tongue, worldliness, and even laziness. They're what is called respectable sins. I don't kill. I'm not an adulterer. I'm just irritable from time to time. I'm angry. I'm lazy. I'm worldly. Brothers and sisters, that's why we always encourage you and challenge you. What? To obey all. In God's eyes, all sin is what? Sin. And Jesus Christ died for all of those. Not just for the murderers. Not for those who practice immorality. Not only for those who practice magic arts. He said, for all liars. And this is just a list. And the list could go on and on. So just like that bike illustration, keep on pedaling. Keep on addressing this if you find this list in your lives. Keep on addressing it. With the help of God, you can scratch out a lot of this on the list until, you know, it's just a blank screen and no more. But you and I cannot do it on our own. Jacob tried to do it on his own. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's divide the company. Okay, you go ahead and this is your script. After he goes, you go. This is your script. Exactly what he said. And then at the end, I'll come. Maybe in due time, after he's received all of this, then he will be pleased with me. Don't be like Jacob. Trust God. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Can I encourage you this morning to test yourself? Let's bow down. God, you never said to examine one another, but to examine ourselves. As we look at the life of Jacob, Lord God, all his manipulations, we see that you were still faithful throughout and that in the end, he had a personal encounter with you, a real, genuine encounter with you. Lord, I pray as your Holy Spirit moves in this place and in our hearts, that you will examine us. Right now, Lord God, 
perhaps there are some of us here who just pray the prayer thinking that by that mere prayer we're okay we just speak to that person Lord God some of us here this morning may have a different checklist I'm not a murderer I'm not an adulterer I don't practice witchcraft but I'm lazy I'm worldly I don't control my tongue I don't have self-control I'm prideful will you deal with that Lord too Will you root out these respectable sins from our lives and from our midst? This doesn't please you, Lord God. And Jesus Christ paid for those as well. Will you speak to those persons, Lord God? If you're here this morning and you haven't really expressed your faith in Jesus Christ, will you just tell him? Tell Jesus that you have disobeyed God. And your sin separates you from him. And you want to be reconciled through his blood, through his sacrifice, and commit to God that with his help, you desire to live a victorious Christian life and you will not take sin lightly. If you're here and you already have expressed your faith, but you're still toying with the ideas of these respectable sins, will you just ask God to forgive you as well and commit that you will not let any stone unturned, that you will allow God to root all kinds of sin in your life and trust him to supply you with the grace and with the power to say yes to him and say no to your sins. God, I pray that all of us really begin to walk with you seriously. Not to take the cross and blood of Jesus Christ for granted. That we would dilly-dally with sin, Lord God. But we would hate sin. And we will trust that your Holy Spirit living and working in and through us will be the one to see us through. For we desire only, Lord God, to appropriate your grace in our lives so that we can become more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ in whose name we pray all of these things. Amen and amen.